Welcome back to Bible Love. We are wrapping up Ezra today, and at the end of this, we get to talk about what people thought about intermarriage and such. And so, uh, knowing that, that that might be a tricky conversation, we are going to start with a prayer for the future of the human race. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, our Heavenly Father, you have blessed us and given us dominion over all the earth. Increase our reverence before the mystery of life and give us new insight into your purposes for the human race and new wisdom and determination in making provision for its future in accordance with your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so Alan, today we're working on um, Ezra 7 through um, the end of the book, which would be, um, let's see, I can't remember, 9 or 10, 10, Ezra um, 7 through 10. But what's interesting is like this, we've already done the first six chapters of Ezra, and this is actually the first time we meet Ezra is in chapter seven. But if you remember when Dr. Tony was on, um, he talked a lot about, um, Ezra's sort of love for the law. Like that, that was, um, really important part of who Ezra was. And so in this first sort of, um, part of this chapter, you, you get, um, exactly who Ezra was. It says Ezra was a scholar with a thorough knowledge of the law, which the Lord, the God of Israel had given to Moses because Ezra had the blessing of the Lord, his God, the emperor gave him everything he asked for. So, um, and it's what goes down a little bit further. Ezra had devoted his life to studying the law of the Lord, to practicing it and to teaching all its law and regulations to the people of Israel. So this law was really, as Dr. Tony said, super important to him. And it's very even laid out of who Ezra was. Um, so for these first couple of chapters, we really get to understand who the person of Ezra was, right? Um, yeah. The praising of God, finding Levites for the temple, the gifts of the temple, the people um, in the temple, and what those rules and those laws were about fasting and what the temple was na- made for. And so I get clearly what Dr. Tony was saying. Very, very into the law. Yeah, you know, here... I love uh, chapter 7, verse 10. It says, For Ezra has set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach the statutes and ordinances to Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, we, right, like the Pharisees and all these experts in the law in the New Testament, they become facts and they're almost caricatures. So we think that, you know, they're just, you know, goody goodies, right? Like they're tattletales that are. And here, Ezra, like he, he says it's hard to study the law and to do it and to teach it. And so there, if the Pharisees get a bad rap, right? Like people who are trying to do what they think the understanding of the law is, you know, Jesus comes in, you know, as Dr. Tony says, on the other side of Jesus are, 
our understanding of this changes. But but here, I mean, Ezra didn't just study the law to become smart and to become an expert in it. He studied it so he could do it because that's the way that he saw to follow and worship God. Right. And that was the gifts and talents that God gave him. You know, so um, I, I think that really speaks to the world in general, right? Like there is a need for lawyers. There is a need for police officers. There is a need for all of those, all, the, all those different vocations, right? And God puts those desires on our heart or those understandings on our heart to be interested in those things, right? Interested in the law, interested in um, justice, whatever it may be. And then not only learn it, but to teach it to others, as you were saying. So I'm, I'm grateful for people like Ezra. I think we like to make fun of that, you know, like, oh, these real shit law, you know, and, and maybe that's not who I am, but I'm grateful for the people in the world who do think that's really important. I mean, I don't want to say yeah. I don't think the laws are important. I'm around breaking the laws all the time, but it, like, you know, I, I, I think about like in worship, I feel like I'm a little bit more easygoing than some of the things that are, are, you know, really important to some priests in that way. Um, you know, I'm just really grateful. My acolytes are there. So if they're, if they're doodling a little bit, I'm not the one that's going to stop them. You know, um, if they're painting something and it's not quite the color I had in mind, I'm not the one that's going <laughs> to say, let's don't do it that way. You know, I'm just thinking about youth grade last night. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I think that it, there isn't, it is important to have some of those people in our lives that this is important and this is how they teach and um, yep. all that kind of stuff. And Ezra was that guy, right? Yeah. And he keeps going with it. Um but he's also really good at um, doing something that we all need to do, which is praising God. Um, he finds God the, a, a way to do that often. So I'm looking into chapter 7, um, verse 27. Ezra said, Praise the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He has made the emperor willing to honor in this way the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. By God's grace, I have won the favor of the emperor of his counselors and of all his powerful officials. The Lord, my God has given me courage and I've been able to persuade many of the heads of the clans of Israel to return with me. So he, although he is taking ownership there, he knows that all those gifts that um, of his voice and his leadership come from God and he praises God in that. Um, and then that leads us into this return from exile that we talked about a little bit last week with Claire um, and so then it's just like this sort of litany of all those people and names I can't yeah. pronounce. Right. Yeah. I mean, they list up and these are the family heads and the genealogy of everyone. And so this is going back into Jerusalem. They've got the King's permission, right. uh, like a little bit before King Artaxerxes or however you pronounce that. That's Here's good. a letter saying, I'm just going to go with it. Um, you know, here's a letter, you and all these people. Go back into Jerusalem and good luck. Right. Basically. Um, and so there, you know, it's another list. And, you know, genealogies, we've talked about this on an episode before. Genealogies can seem monotonous um, because it's just a list of names that mean nothing to us. I mean, these people don't really show up in the rest of the scripture, but it's a census, right? This gives kind of a, a social location to this. These are real people, right? This isn't some flannel board story about you know, these mythical figures, these are actual people who had been forced out of their homeland. 
these are the people that went back. And this, this genealogy is super important. I mean, I, you're right. We've talked about this before. Um, and I'm sure I've told this story. We've been doing this for two years. So I'm sure my stories I've told more than once, but, um, this past summer, um, you know, I was with grandmother, 98, almost 99, and, you know, and she, thank goodness, she tells me those stories, but she's also like written a lot of this down, which is exactly what we see in the Bible. Like all, who were these people? What were the things they were good at or bad at or whatever it may be? What are the sufferings that they, that they felt? What were the hardships that they felt? I love, um, I was polishing some silver, um, this weekend and I turned over one of the pieces of silver and it on the back of it was a little note from my grandmother. This was my mother, Bessie's. She bought it at this place and that place. And I mean, I was, it made me smile because I, I was glad to know like what that history was. And that's exactly what we're getting here. You go in a little bit further into Ezra um, in chapter eight and they talk about the gifts for the temple. Remember, we talked about this with Claire last week. Again, how much silver, how many pounds of gold, how, much, how many gold bowls, bronze bowls. This all has to be documented in some way. And it's documented in the Bible. What better place for it to be documented? Yeah. And it, I, you think about this, right? And I'm trying to think of a parallel. You know, this is... It's kind of like Ellis Island, right? They write down who came across there, and it's a list of names, and it means nothing uh, to me. Um, but for folks whose ancestors did that, there's a, you go there and you look through these books. The Vietnam Memorial, right? These are names. I don't know these people. Well, I know one of them because of my mom's cousin, mm-hmm. right? And so you go and, and you see that name. And here, you know, this is a really long time ago. <laughs> we don't know any of these people. But the People who were telling and sharing this story in the immediate aftermath, they would know, like, that's my great-grandfather. Like, wow. I'm here because, you know, this Zachariah, son of Babai, walked because I'm the son of the son of. Right. You know? So this this meant something to people back then. And I think we need to recognize that this is a list of names of people who did a really difficult thing. Yeah. And you love history and I do too. Um, so, I mean, I, I can imagine you have an appreciation for this as I do. Um, you know, and I, I always, you know, worry like, Oh, I'm scared. I'm going to pronounce these people's names wrong and not because I'm embarrassed, but, but because this is history and it's important and our history is an important part of who we are. And like you said, can sort of trace all that back. Okay, but then we get into some sticky stuff, okay? Um, And I asked Alan if we could talk about this. Um, I hope you will link, I know I have a hard time doing this, but I hope you will link your sermon from yesterday um, in the show notes because I was listening to it this morning. Um, I, I like to listen to Alan's sermons. A, because as a preacher myself, it's like really nice to hear um, someone else's thoughts um, to nourish me. You know, I'm a Christian too, and I, I need that nourishment. Um, and w- your sermon yesterday, um, you were talking about Timothy, but, um, you know, how a certain place in, in that passage where, and you help me, I can't remember exactly what you said, but to a point of like, everything in this Bible is true. 
everything that's written down is true. And you kind of went through that and explained it a little bit. And that really a lot of this is paper, you know, um, it's important. The Bible is important, but our interpretation of it can get skewed sometimes. Right? And I think yeah. that's really important when we start talking about in Ezra, um, what's next in chapter nine and chapter 10 of intermarriages now, at this time, this was with people who were not Jewish and um, how we're going to end marriages that they called mixed marriages, um, you know, and that can be really hurtful to people. People could use this um, in intermarriages today that we might see. Right. So a black person that's married to a white person or an Asian person that's married to a black person, you know, and, and people look down on that still in 2022, you know, and some of that could be from what they've read right here in Ezra, you know, I think a lot of it is right. So yeah, we've been reading through um, first and second Timothy and church. If your church does the, the revised collectionary. Mm-hmm. And so I've been preaching through that, right? Like I've started this deal. I'm trying to do sermon series, you know, whatever. It's something. You're fun. doing that. Great. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and so we've spent a lot of time in second Timothy. The whole idea is endure, right? Second Timothy, mm-hmm. Paul is in prison. He's writing to Timothy. He's passing on what he's learned about the law, much like, yeah. Ezra, right? Paul studied the law. Paul did the law and Paul passed it on. One of those people he passed it on to is Timothy. And so I'm not preaching next week. Deacon I is preaching. And so I kind of cheated. Next week is when we get the the passage in 2 Timothy where it says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, correction, reproof, all of this, right? And this is something like we sign our name to it when we're ordained. Best three people sign their name to a statement that that, that comes from this this passage. I kind of walked through yesterday, right? Like when Paul's talking about all scripture, he's talking about the Old Testament, right? You know, we on the other side of Jesus include Paul in that. Paul's head might explode if he knew that. I know, right? Um, what would Paul think? <laughs> yeah. But, but right, like, you know, we've got, there's a church here, uh, church. There's a place that calls itself a church that has been kicked out of two places because the landlords keep evicting them because of their local faith leaders, everyone from the Episcopal priest to the conservative Southern Baptist pastor and everything in between write letters saying this is trouble. And it's a, I'm not going to link whatever. You can look up Watauga Baptist church. This guy, number one, King James version only, which is a whole deal. Like apparently God handed down in 1611, the final word of God. Right. And like one of the things is they open up the scripture and they say where um, gay people should be killed, right? And so this guy has a, a really well-formed, he's done a lot of thinking about it. He's not going to kill him, right? Like it's not upon Christians to do the killing. It's upon the state too. And so this guy pushing Texas to like make homosexuality capital punishment. And he draws from the King James version of the Bible because he reads in here the plain words that write. We talked about this when we had Greg on a while ago. Like there's really hard things that if you open up the Bible and find it, it's in there. Yeah. What do you do with that? Cause you read in here, you know, don't marry a foreigner. 
Right. Right. Does that mean like me as a Texan, I can't marry anyone that's like outside of Texas? Yeah. I don't know why I want to because you're all foreigner. Um, but like my sister's married to a black guy. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, now the big thing, like it's actually interracial marriage, interreligious marriage is actually more common now than interpolitical marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the thing that, that Nick is right now is no Democrat going to marry a Republican, no Republican's going to marry a Democrat. Like we find these reasons to keep us apart. And if we look hard enough in this book, we're going to find justification for that. Anyway, that's a, a tangent. But that's where this, you know, what I talked about in my sermon yesterday is too often. This idea of all scriptures inspired by God, infallibility. The Bible says that that settles it, that mentality. Sometimes turns this book from something that's life-giving into something that gets someone beat upside the head with it. Um, and I so, think I really appreciated yeah. your sermon, and I really encourage people to to listen to it because I think I think he Alan, you made some really beautiful points in that and in when we don't use our wisdom, when we don't use our tradition and we only read the words that are here, we really hurt people. We really, really hurt people. All kinds of people. Um, I think about the fact that your sister has a beautiful marriage and if she would have read what was right here in Ezra, she, her family and her marriage would not exist. And that's so sad because that shouldn't be the case. And thank goodness she didn't do that, you know, um, and, and, or, and that's just one example, you know, yeah. um, and there's millions of them out there, um, whether it's around gay people, whether it's around mixed marriage, whether it's around what, and I want that word mixed marriage. It's just marriage. Like I hate that, you know, but that's what, how, that's how my Bible um, chapter 10 says the plan yeah. for ending mixed marriages. That's how it says, yeah. how it's stated. Um, so I'm just giving reference to what's here. Um, and so I do, I'm really grateful for these conversations. The Bible and reading the Bible is part of who I am daily, daily, and what I do and how I pray. But I also am so grateful for my own intellect and my own tradition and conversations like you and I are having right now, preaching like you did yesterday to help seminary professors that I had, colleagues that I have, lay people in my church, you know, conversation. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but right now our Christian Formation Hour is we're discussing um, Rachel Held Evans searching for Sundays, you know, and one of the things that one of my parishioners said yesterday is, I need a church. Because one of the things Rachel does really beautifully is she talks about like this wonderful service. If you had all the different denominations in it, like if you had the Episcopalians, they'd handle the altar. If you had the Baptists, they'd handle the fellowship. You know, if you you know, like what we're all good at, you know, and it was just, I wish I could um, verbatim tell you all the things that she picked out from each denomination instead of slamming another denomination. She yeah. brought all the denominations together. And she also talked about the importance of them in the fact of like people are fed spiritually through different forms of worship, you know, and that just deepens their relationship with God. But one of my parishioners who was in the class with me said, I need feedback. I need discussion. I need dialogue, you know, 
um, to interpret the Bible. And so I, I think that's like a goal that I feel when we're trying to do this podcast is yes, we're trying to go through, we're trying to highlight the importance of these different um, books of the Bible, but we're also like trying to have like really good dialogue about it too. Um, and, and be in the messiness of it. And this is one of those messy ones of, um, you know, as we're basically saying, think about that. Yeah. So I wasn't raised Episcopalian. I grew up in a a more evangelical denomination and I've, you know, I've gone to Bible churches. I've gone to Orthodox church. I've done a bunch and I see beauty in all of it. And so, you know, I'll say things about some flaws in other traditions that I see, right? Mm-hmm. But I also point out our flaws and I also, right? Like I'm brutally honest. I learned more Bible in elementary school at a Lutheran school sure. than I did in seminary, right? Like there's blessings and all that. But, you know, we're talking about scripture and, and people, are biblical literalists, whatever, right? Like how many Episcopalians think the prayer book is inerrant? Right, exactly. Right? Like I'm teaching about the prayer book this coming Sunday in my rector's forum. And like this has prompted me to say, like, we, we hold this up and this is the Bible and say, Oh, well, like we can, we can interpret that and figure this out. But we hold this thing up, this prayer book and it says, read these rubrics. If you break these rubrics, you're going to, you know, right. Like what in here? The fact that we might revise. Oh my gosh. (laughs) God can help us reinterpret scripture. But in 1979, a bunch of aliens figured out the key to worship. Right. Come on, people. Yeah. Right. And so, like. That's 45 years old now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. Like, and it's all different. Like, I'm edified and all that by by worshiping in a beautiful cathedral with organ and choir and all that. But I also really love drums and guitars and modern worship music and dynamic preachers. Right. Like, you know. Sure. Like there's something to be said for other traditions that would flip out if you handed them a prayer book. Yeah. And you figured this out. You're really good at that, Alan. I, I've, I've, one of the things I love about social media is that we get to like understand like what is fun about people's lives. And I love like some of the things you put on Instagram, like you take your boys to concerts or music and, and some of them are like more evangelical traditions. Some of them are, you know, and I think that's awesome. You're exposing them to all of them. I mean, same thing for me. I had three folks going through, um, Curcio last weekend, which is an Episcopal movement, but it is very like, you know, um, put your hands up in the air and worship and enjoy in that way. And I was loving it at the closing, um, standing right next to the Bishop with my hands up in the air, you know? And so I do think that's good that we can all like feel the spirit and the holiness of God in all different kinds of ways. And that's an amazing thing. Um, I think there are some things that Ezra, some good and bad in all of this. So as we wrap up Ezra, um, so I, you know, I really appreciate, um, the history and the ancestry that, and the gene- genealogy that we received from them. This, I appreciate Ezra's understanding of the law and his deep respect for Moses and his even deeper respect for God. I really appreciate that. Uh, 
worry if Ezra took the law a little too much in times. Um, I, I do think there are parts of Ezra that um, has been abused over time. And I'm sorry for that. What What are some of your takeaways with Ezra? Yeah. Um, you know, I love, I'm trying to find it. Um, he has this beautiful prayer. Yes. Where he, he basically says, and we've heard it before, we're going to hear it again when we get to the song. Essentially, God, you've been faithful. We've screwed up. You kind of recount all of, of Israel's history about we're faithless. We've screwed up so many times. We're screwing up right now. I'm the chief of screw up. But mm-hmm. God, you're faithful. We can't even stand before. Like it's that idea that like no matter how messed up we are and no matter how many times we mess up, God is always faithful. Right. And so there's yeah. a reminder that even here, Ezra, like I think Ezra's kind of screwing up with with some of this yeah. teaching he's doing on um inner relationships. Uh, God's wow. still faithful. God's still gonna be in that, you know. Absolutely. No matter how much we try to screw it up, God's still there. Absolutely. So that's the end of Ezra. And next week, um, we'll get into Nehemiah. We have, um, we're going to do some of that on our own. We have some guests that are going to join us with that as well. So I look forward to it. Um, Listeners, as always, you know, we love you, but most importantly, God does.